You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio satellite. North to south, east to west, up and around. The program is streaming live around Earth on 3C... On 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast in the next few days by going to 3cr.org.au. So if you can't, if your nature calls, somebody knocks on your door, the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar for his meth lab, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access it by going to 3cr.org.au. If you wonder if anarchism is all about... Simple concept. It's so brutally simple. Even a simpleton like me can understand it. It means without rulers. And our costs without rulers. So what is the task of an anarchist? The task is to create a society without rulers. Whether we do or not is irrelevant. What's irrelevant is that we're involved in that struggle to devolve share power and the struggle to ensure that wealth is held in common and uh, used for the common good. And uh, if you keep listening to the program you'll understand why there are so many anarchists in this country. The pity is there aren't enough because the last four decades has been boom time for those who concentrate power and wealth in their pockets at the expense of the rest of society. First of all, I'd like to acknowledge the uh, death of uh, Richard Rick Simpson, I don't use the word passing. I find it offensive. Somebody's passed over. Where have they passed to? People die. They live, they die. Now, Rick was based in Melbourne and uh, he lived to his mid-70s. He was well known to the anarchist community as well as the activist community in Melbourne. He was our standard bearer. And uh, those of you who are familiar with... Uh, Eureka History would note that we used to think of Rick as our Captain Ross. Uh, Captain Ross was the uh, man who had the task of protecting the Eureka flag during the Eureka Rebellion. He was shot in the guts and died in agony three hours later. Well, fortunately, Rick died of natural causes. He died after a long battle with uh, cancer. But he was a skinny elderly, white-haired bloke who you would see carrying the banner, whether it was during the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations or the Tanaminaway and Moorboy Hina commemorations. 
Rick always carried the banner. Obviously, that wasn't his only job, but he always carried that banner. And I think if you cast your mind back to any protest you've been at that has been organised through the Anarchist Institute, you'll remember Rick because he was that little skinny bloke who held onto that banner and was always at the front of the march. Now, Richard Rick Simpson, what can I say? I'm not going to say rest in peace. All I'm going to say is farewell. Goodbye. Now, Rick was an Eureka Australia medalist. He was also a foundation member of the Tanaminaway Mulberhina Commemoration Committee. He was a member of the Wednesday Action Group from the very early stages. He was a member of public interest before corporate interests, Australian Cuba Friendship Society and many other organisations. So if you wish to celebrate a life world lived with family and friends, uh, his funeral, well, it's mainly, it's, his funeral will be held at 1pm on Friday the 22nd of January. That's 1pm on Friday the 22nd of January at Heritage Funerals, 733 Baronia Road, 1 Turner. That's 733 Baronia Road, 1 Turner. You can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscana, or the Anarchist Institute uh, um, webpage, and the details will be there. Now, it's a family and friends affair. The family would like to see as many of uh, Rick's friends and uh, colleagues and fellow political activists uh, at the at, at the send-off. So uh, if you knew Richard Rick Simpson and you wish to farewell him, uh, the funeral is at 1pm, Friday the 22nd of January, at Heritage Funerals at 733 Baronia Road, One Melbourne. Let's move on. People come and go, but the mark of a human being is not the amount of uh, assets they have been able to um, keep for themselves uh, during a lifetime of... Uh, of uh, exploitation of other people, the mark of a human being is the memory they leave behind of the positive things they have done for their community, not just their family, but their community. And unfortunately in 2021, during this individualistic age, there are very, very few people you can say have done as much for their community as Richard Rick Simpson. Let's move on. Now, I must be an idiot, and I assume that most of my listeners are idiots too, because I don't think many of the listeners to the Anarchist World this week have made a packet, made a ton of money as a result of COVID-19. Now, let's not forget that when JobKeeper was announced the money went directly to the employer who then passed it on to employees. And let's not forget that many, many, many people were excluded from the JobKeeper process 
for a variety of reasons. Now, I've got no problem with JobKeeper. It did keep people's heads above water for a long time and continues to keep people's head above water, especially many people who are self-employed or in small business. But there are people out there who are making heaps of money, so much money they feel so embarrassed about it that they've given it back to the government. People like Toyota, Australia, which did the right thing and had been overpaid by $18 million. They had $18 million left over on their JobKeeper allowance and they gave it back to the government. You know, they gave it back. Then there are other organisations which refused to take it. They said, look, we'll deal with this situation as, you know, we'll deal with the situation. Then we have a Rebel CBF Camping, who've just given back $1.7 million. So, interesting, isn't it? Now, if you think that everybody's the same in the corporate world, think again. Now, there are some organisations that are making record profits during COVID-19 because obviously not all corporations went down the gurgler during the COVID-19 crisis, but are making, you know, record profits. And they're keeping that money. People like Solomon Liu from Premier Investments. People like Kerry Stokes. People like Harvey Norman. Now, they're not doing anything illegal. That's the funny thing about it. Remember robo-debt? Remember robo-debt in the good old days when the government was trying to extract money from stones, from people without it, people on social security benefits, trying to extract it illegally? Our people were driven to suicide. Others became nervous wrecks. Others were bankrupted because the federal government wanted their pound of flesh. Apologies to Shakespeare there. But when it comes to the corporate sector, there is no legal reason that these organisations, you know, need to give any excess JobKeeper money back to the federal government. Extraordinary, isn't it? So they can put it in their pockets, restructure their business affairs in such a way as to maximise returns for their shareholders at the expense of the Australian taxpayer. So if you're, if you're a shareholder in any of the companies that Solomon Liu is involved in, he's involved in a host of companies, or Kerry Stokes is involved in, or the Harvey Norman uh, conglomerate, guess what? You will benefit from the government's largesse and from the fact that these uh, organisations refuse to give excess money back to the federal government because there is no legal compulsion to do so. So let's move the story to JobSeeker. Now, as you know, before COVID-19, the JobSeeker allowance was abysmally slow. It was low. It was obscene, less than $40 a day to pay rent, food, utilities, etc., etc. I mean, if you're unemployed, it meant that you had to sell all your assets before you could get on the dull I mean, the unemployment benefits, social security benefits, and then, and then 
the amount was so piddling you couldn't actually cover your costs. Come in job seeker, double the unemployment benefits. A lot of people flooded off to, you know, went off to job seeker because they weren't eligible for job keeper, although they were working, weren't eligible. And now we're seeing the government slowly squeeze those people on job seeker. Mutual obligation has returned, you know, those phone calls and those stupid meetings, which all they do is actually, all those stupid meetings do with your job provider, all they do is augment their profits at the expense of the taxpayer. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. Because they need to force people back into poorly paid insecure jobs and how do you squeeze them back you decrease the amount of money that the social security benefits they receive so they are forced back into that marketplace because during COVID-19 many people who've been on long-term unemployment benefits have been living relatively well because the benefits they receive cover they're living arrangements, especially people with children, with, you know, with uh, dependents. But now, as we squeeze, we push people back into poverty and we start hearing the rhetoric, you know, dull bludgers. There's not enough people to pick fruit, you know, dull bludgers. People who are work shy. The rhetoric is beginning, the rhetoric to divide us. But at the same time, we see people who've got extraordinary amount of wealth, augmenting their wealth, courtesy of an Australian government which has been pumping money into the private sector to keep the economy afloat, to keep people in artificial work in order there is there isn't an economic collapse. But if there's money left over, they keep it. It's better than winning Tats Lotto. You only win a million dollars if you win Tats Lotto, you know, on a Saturday. But here you can win tens of millions of dollars. And if you structure affairs in such a way, with job keeping, you don't even pay any tax. Ah, what a wonderful, wonderful world we live in. The world of Australia, the world of manufactured reality, where the corporate Australia can do no wrong, and those people on Job Seeker and Job Keeper, well, we need to squeeze them back into the economy. We need their labour to keep this unfair system ticking over. Extraordinary. Money, money, money. I don't know why we didn't think of this. I mean, if only I had thought about it, I wouldn't be broadcasting. I'd be on my yacht. Somewhere, who knows where, because of COVID-19 restrictions, getting sunburn and skin cancer. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Morrison. Sorry, a Prime Minister Morrison. He is the elected, well... He is the leader of this country. He was elected 
by his parliamentary colleagues. Obviously, he's got the numbers, but uh, if things don't look good in the future, maybe he'll be knifed in the back. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, tradition we have in Australian politics. We used to make fun of uh, Italian, the Italian politics because they remove their uh, prime minister every year. Well, for a few years there, we were doing the same. It was quite interesting. Well, I'm going to do something you never thought I'm going to do. I'm going to send my commiserations to Mr Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister. You know why I'm going to send my commiserations to Mr Morris? Because the umbilical cord between him and the former President of the United States of America, whose name shall not be used on this program today, the former President the man who's been indicted by the Congress for inciting a insurrection against the United States government is going. That's right. Today he's going. He's going to Florida to cry in his tea. Poor man. Poor man. It's all about him. But let's not forget Mr Morrison our Prime Minister and his motley crew in the Liberal National Party have been supporting the former President of the United States to the hilt right up till the 20th of January 2021. While every other world leader has made some comments regarding the insurrection in the United States, where the President, the former President of the United States, encouraged his supporters to ransack Congress, Mr Morrison has been quiet, totally quiet. He hasn't said a word. So now that his bosom buddy, the former President of the United States of America, is going out to pasture, thinking about how he can continue to amass a fortune without paying any tax, well, guess what? What happens when you cut the umbilical cord between conjoint twins, when you separate conjoint twins? It's not unusual for one to die. So which one will it be? Who will die politically? Will it be Mr Morrison or the former President of the United States of America? Because, you see, the change of leadership in the United States of America does have impacts on Australia because Australia has been following policies which came out of the uh, rule book of the former President. They've been pushing their pro-cold agenda, They've been, you know, um, carping on about the Paris Accords, how unfair it is, you know, the Paris Accord in, in terms of the environment. They've been carrying on about the Chinese menace while uh, ignoring uh, what's happening in Russia. And it goes on and on and on. So there's a lot of policies which were very f similar, which will change over the next four years. So how is Mr Morrison and his motley crew 
going to realign themselves on the world stage in terms of the position of Australia on various issues. Because it may mean that many of the positions that uh, Mr Morrison has taken on behalf of the Australian people, because let's not forget he's the Prime Minister, it may just be that these positions he's taken are really, really not in the best interests of the Australian people. And that's the key, the Australian people. Think about it. Because governments make decisions which have profound impacts on citizens. And now that Mr Morrison's buddy has gone off to sulk to Florida, he doesn't have that power at his fingertips. It may mean that Mr Morrison and his motley crew may find themselves to be pariahs in the world community. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Public interest before corporate interest. Now, you know I'm the uh, registered officer of public interest before corporate interest. And for the last five years, we've been trying to get a miserable 550 people on the Australian electoral roll, Commonwealth electoral roll, to join. Now, we are at a critical juncture. Now, a lot of people say to me, why bother with electoral politics? It's not just about bothering with electoral politics. It's about changing people's viewpoints. It's about using every legal avenue available to you. Now, if you're going to do a... uh, You're going to play... Let's say, what are we going to play? If you're going to play cricket, you're not going to cut off your arm, are you? And bat one-handed if you've got two arms. You're going to use both hands to play cricket. Well, it's the same analogy with political change. Now, I'm not stupid enough to think that there's going to be a revolution around the corner. There's not going to be a revolution around the corner. Australia is a society which, to a significant degree, as we've seen during COVID-19, is quite happy with the uh, status quo for a variety of reasons. And unfortunately, most political activity in the country today revolves around specific issues. There's nothing wrong with being involved in activity around specific issues, but we need to look a little bit wider. We need to look at the situation a little bit wider. We need to look at wider solutions to the growing inequalities in this country. Because if you don't think there are any growing inequalities in this country, look at the amount of bills you've got to uh, pay in the next few months. Look at the amount of work you do to pay those bills. Look at how people like Stokes, Lou, Harvey Norman and a whole batch of these people, you know, enrich themselves at the... legally enrich themselves at the expense of the Australian taxpayer because of the government's largesse. It's not stupidity, it's largesse to their mates in the corporate sector who continue to keep the thing rolling over. If you're worried about climate change or climate emergency, whatever you want to use, if you're worried about this or that, well, we need major structural changes. And before you have major structural changes, people need to think that you need those structural changes. And currently, 
that doesn't exist. It may exist in little pockets in some of the cities, in the inner cities, but it doesn't exist. And there's one thing about being a doctor is that you get to speak and see to a whole variety of Australian people. And if there's one thing about living in regional Australia, you begin to see that what may be important in an inner city environment is of no significance in a regional or rural environment. So in many ways, we're different tribes on the same continent, you know, fighting against each other constantly, forgetting that we have a common enemy. And that common enemy are the institutional structures which have been created which allow those who have wealth to continue to accumulate wealth at the expense of everybody and to continue to have a significant impact on the representative features in our country, on, on parliaments at the state and federal and local level. And that's the dilemma. The thing is that people will continue to vote in that direction if all they see on election day is the same stories or they see the hate mongers. And there is one group that has done well in parliamentary elections in the last few decades is the hate mongers, those who think that our divisions is what, you know, which defines us. It's not our divisions which defines us. What defines us is that we're on this continent. That's what defines us, that we're on this continent. That's the definition of who we are. It's not the differences based on religion or culture or sexual orientation or gender, and the list goes on and on. It's the fact they're on this continent and we need to survive on this continent and we need to ensure that everybody on this continent at least accesses the basic necessities. And that's why we set up public interest before corporate interest. Now, if you think that somehow we are going to be elected to Parliament, we're not going to be elected to Parliament. Let's be realistic. The whole point of public interest before corporate interest was to inject a little bit of reality into the manufactured reality which is Australia in 2021. It's about chipping away at that manufactured reality. It's about taking a saw to the manufactured reality bubble and bursting it or taking a knitting needle to the bubble and bursting it. It's about raising ideas which need to be raised, which no other of the major political parties in this country is willing to raise because it's a matter of change which is based on the destruction of institutional, institutional institutions which, which continue to support the status quo. And that's what public interest before corporate interest is about. And that's why we need your support. We can't do it by ourselves. Let's be realistic. We're not going to be able to do it by ourselves. I think we've got about 430, 420, 430 members on the uh, Commonwealth electoral roll. We'll need 550 by the end of June in order to apply for registration and hopefully 
uh, stand candidates for the next federal election, but we can't do it by ourselves. We're not a registered political party. We need your support. So if you've been thinking about these things over the last few years, if you'd like to be part of an organisation which uses both direct action and parliamentary politics, it's not a matter of one or the other. It's a matter of using every legal avenue available to you to promote the idea of egalitarian social change, cultural change, institutional change. So think about it. You can go to the website, pipsy.net, download the application form, have a look at it. If it's your type of thing, join. If it's not, well, that's your decision. Or you can leave a message on 0439 0439-395-489, 0439-395-489, and uh, I'll send you out some application forms, or you can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. COVID madness. <laughs> COVID madness. It's been an interesting few months, hasn't it? An interesting few months have we seen small outbreaks of uh, COVID around the country. Very interesting. The response from the uh, various state uh, governors has been very interesting. Has been very interesting for a reason because it's not, as we were initially led to believe, an equal response. It's not an equal response. It's not what what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. You know that's what we're finding. What's good for the goose is not good for the gander. And I think what highlighted this to everybody was the uh, Australian Tennis Open which has been put back a few weeks uh, in Melbourne. And we've seen individuals come across from uh, regions which have high COVID-19 rates, come to Melbourne, put in a bubble, and we've seen, and we know that about 1% to 3% of people who come from overseas into this country will have COVID-19, and we've seen it in the tennis community. And we've seen the reaction uh, through isolation. Now, look, if they want to hold the Australian tennis open and they want to do a bubble and they want to spend all this money and they want to do this and they want to do that, good luck to them. But let's not forget. Let's not forget about those tens of thousands of Australians, some who've been waiting for a year, who are overseas. These are citizens and residents who are overseas, who want to come back home to be with their family. If we can make this huge effort to have some ephemeral tennis event in Melbourne in a few weeks' time, why can't we as a country, I mean, we're supposedly a country, not a federation of you know, well, we are a federation of states, but we're supposed to, you know, have a national government. Why haven't we been able to use Commonwealth facilities like aircrafts to bring people back? Why do they have to rely on the private sector and be gouged to come back home? People are paying fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars for a family of four. 
to come back to Australia and then they have to pay for their quarantine. I mean, what's the difference between an Australian citizen, an Australian resident, stranded overseas and a tennis player in their entourage? Maybe they've got more money. Who knows? Who knows what the difference is? I'm sure you'll work it out. And then it gets even better. And that's why I called it COVID madness. It gets even better. And then we have the ridiculous situations of Victorians. That's right. People who live in Victoria who are still, still unable to come back to this state, the state of Victoria, because they're in a red zone, a hot spot. They're not able to come back. How are people how are people expected to survive? Why can't they come back, be tested, quarantined at the state's expense? Think of the amount of money that the Victorian government is using to hold a tennis event for a few prima donnas. You know, you can hit a ball around a court while refusing to let its own citizens back into the state or providing them with financial support if they find themselves stranded interstate and not allowed back. Think about it. So it looks like COVID-19 is not one of those races where everybody is on the same starting line. Like life in Australia, it's a handicap race. If you've got the resources, you've got the pulling power, you can get away with it. If you ain't, if you're just an ordinary human being who pays their taxes, obeys the law, does the best they can for their family and friends and communities, you're a loser. And that's why we talk about institutional change. Because this country is structured in such a way as to ensure that honest, hard-working, law-abiding citizens and residents are treated as second-class citizens and are and are derided by those who exercise power on behalf of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. If you are hardworking, you pay your taxes, you obey the law, you look after your dependents, you do the right thing in this country, you're a loser. If you rip off the system and amass a fortune courtesy of the Australian government's largesse and your names, you know, in the newspapers and social media and you've got all these followers and you're a celebrity and you do nothing for this society except tut-tut and attempt to stymie any possibility of change, reform, let alone radical change, well, you're a hero. And on the 26th of January... This year, on Invasion Day, that's right, Invasion Day, 
you'll see the names of the heroes pop up in the honours list. That's right. Not everybody, but those with the higher honours, the majority are hacks. Hacks. Who are basically there honoured because they've been able to ensure the inequalities that exist in society today continue to exist. But ultimately, I don't blame them. I don't blame Solomon Liu. And I don't blame Kerry Stokes. And I don't blame Harvey Norman. I blame us. You and me. Us. Because as Australians, we continue to support representatives who refuse to acknowledge reality, who continue to work in the interests of those who exercise real power in this society. Not our parliamentary representatives, but those people have got enough wealth to determine what the parliamentary agenda will be, to determine that they won't be paying any tax. I mean, all you've got to look at is Fox News, Murdoch's role in what happened in the United States over the last few decades and what is happening in this country, where reality doesn't exist. It's a manufactured reality based on alternative facts which don't exist. It's a reality which is created to ensure that those who exercise power continue to exercise power. And until we can burst that bubble, that's us, you and me, until we can burst that bubble, we will continue to face the same issues day after day. Now, I ventured on this journey when I was 16, right? 16, which I think would be 1967. Over five decades later, do you think that I envisaged that I'd be fighting the same battles that we as a society had gone backwards, backwards in terms of sharing power and holding wealth in common. We have gone backwards. We have been involved in a backwards marathon for the last five decades. We've been running backwards. We've been allowing those who continue to exercise power through their manipulation of the parliamentary system to exercise power. And ultimately, it's our fault. We've believed the spectacle. We're happy to sit on our haunches. We're happy to be a member of the somebody should do something about that tribe or it's about time somebody did something about that tribe. We have forgotten. We have forgotten. Each and every one of us seem to have forgotten change comes from action. You rupture the manufactured reality bubble by hacking at it. Not by looking at it and saying, wow, isn't it wonderful? Or wow, we could never, never, never breach that bubble. Oh, well, up to you. You can only do so much as an individual or a small group. Ultimately, 
It's our, each and every one of us, our responsibility, irrespective of the burdens we carry, the personal burdens we carry, irrespective of the number of commitments we have, irrespective of the fear we have of those who exercise authority, ultimately change comes from us. Ultimate political power in a democratic society doesn't rest in the hands of the government of the day. It doesn't rest in the constitution. It doesn't rest in the hands of the states. It doesn't rest in the hands of the bureaucracy. It doesn't rest in the hands of the armed forces and the police forces in this country. Ultimately, it rests in the hands of the people. And if the people themselves are not willing to take that action, to wrest back that power, we deserve the situation we find ourselves in. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Look, I'm broadcasting this program on the 20th of January. That's right, the 20th of January. Now, the 20th of January, 1842, two men, Tanaminawaya Mōbō were hung in central Melbourne, publicly executed in central Melbourne, in front of about 30% of the Melbourne population for the heinous crime of resisting white colonisation. Now, this story is a tragic story. It's also a story of power. It's a story of love. It's a story of compassion. It's a story of resistance. It's a story that each and every Australian child should be aware of. Tanaminawaya Mōbōhina were the survivors of the 33-year Holocaust which swept over Tasmania, which began in 1803 when the failed settlement at Sorrento in Victoria, the colonisation experiment, the remnants were sent to Hobart. And there began a brutal 33-year war which saw a population of about 20,000 Indigenous people living in Tasmania for at least 30 to 40,000 years reduced to a handful of people. Now, Tanaminawe and Mōbōhina were two of the 325 survivors of that war who were gathered together with false promises from by George Augustus Robinson, the Aboriginal protector in Tasmania, and taken to Flinders Island in 1835. By 1838, only 78 had survived. Most had died of disease. That's for the original population. The great thing about Tasmania was that real estate values doubled in three years because there was no more Indigenous resistance because of the genocide which had occurred there. Now, of those 85, George Augustus Robinson was a bit of an entrepreneur contacted the New South Wales government, which was responsible for what is now called Victoria, was part of New South Wales, and offered his Aborigines, that's right, his Aborigines to the New South Wales government. 
And he said this is a great way to civilise the wild Victorian blacks. Eventually, the New South Wales government in 1839 agreed to the proposition and 17 of the 85 survivors were taken across to Melbourne. They were provided with rations and began this discussion between local Victorian Aboriginal people and, and the 17 that had been brought across by George Augustus Robinson to civilise the Victorian blacks. The problem in Victoria was very simple. Victoria was illegally colonised by the, uh, the Tasmanian colonisers in 1835-36. This process began. But what people forget about colonisation is that about 80% of the Indigenous population died before they even saw a white man or woman or a coloniser. They died of introduced diseases to which they had no immunity to, measles, mumps, diphtheria, tetanus, smallpox. And when the squatters came to Victoria, they saw the original inhabitants as a little more than vermin to be exterminated so they could raise their sheep and export the wool to the satanic mills in England which was in the midst of the Industrial Revolution as the commons were being closed down and people were being forced into the city to be cheap labour in these new satanic mills of industrialisation. So that very industrialisation had a profound impact on what was happening in Australia. So by 1841... The New South Wales government had uh, lost interest and the Tasmanians been brought across to civilise the Australian blacks. They cancelled their rations. George Augustus Robertson and his sons, who had amassed a fortune, who had lands all across Victoria, had also lost interest. And left to their own devices, five of the 17, Tanaminaway, Morbohina, Putirana, Traganini and Planobina, two men and three women, took to the Dandenongs in the Mornington Peninsula on the outskirts of the new city of Melbourne, which had about 8,000 people in it at that stage, in, a, in September 1841. And they began a fight back. They knew the colonisers. They were the survivors of the 33-year war. They knew what was going to happen and what was happening to the Victorian blacks. They had first-hand experience of the brutality of colonisation. Now, the next eight weeks, nine weeks, till the 20th of November, 1841, they wreaked havoc in the area, burning down squatters' huts, say, uh, in a relatively interesting, peaceful occupation. What I mean by that, they didn't kill any women and children. They were released to go back to Melbourne. The only two people who died in this eight to nine week foray into the Danny Nongs Mornington Peninsula were two men, two sealers who were killed in the crossfire. They were interested in securing arms, they were interested in securing supplies, and most importantly of all, they were interested in, in securing the support of the Victorian blacks in that resistance. Eventually, 
after a long chase. They were cornered. Their camp was surrounded. 65 people who, uh, who were involved in that chase fired into the camp and miraculously the five survived. They were taken to Melbourne, tried. Found The two men, Tanaminawa and Morboina, were found guilty and ordered to be hung by Judge Willis in order to highlight the Victorian blacks that resistance was useless and if they resisted this would happen. And uh, on the 20th of January, 1842, they were publicly executed before a, a gleeful crowd of over 5,000, over 30 to 40% of the Melbourne population at that particular point in time. So why? Why did we spend so much time and effort in order to secure a monument to Tanaminaway and Morbohina in central Melbourne? I'll tell you why. And the slogan we use since 2004 and five, when we started this campaign was lest we forget. Australia is based on a manufactured reality which is based on the idea the land belonged to no one. Terra nullius, a fiction which continued until the 3rd of June 1992 when the High Court found that Indigenous Australians who had maintained their connection to their land had rights to land in law. Terra nullius, the land of no one, a land which had the oldest living culture in the history of the world belong to no one. So in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, the 1st of January, sorry, the 20th of January should be Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day. The 25th of April is Anzac Day, and I've got no problem with that, where we respect and pay our respects to men and women who died in wars, mainly fought overseas in 99% of cases, apart from the Darwin bombing and the Broome bombing in World War II, well, we pay our respects. It's, it's a sacred day in Australia. What about the 20th of January? What about the 20th of January, the day that Tanaminawai and Morbohina were publicly executed by the colonisers for resisting white colonisation, for being involved in an armed struggle to protect their culture, their lands, their languages, their way of life, their children? Think about it. Wouldn't it be an extraordinary day? Six days before Invasion Day. Wouldn't it be an extraordinary day if across this country we had ceremonies across the length and breadth of the Australian continent and the islands surrounding this continent. We had ceremonies to mark and pay our respects to all those men, women and children who were the victims of a colonisation process which was based on some of the most brutal, exploitative principles, which continue to be in play in 2021. Let's not forget that colonisation has not been forgotten. It's there. And remember, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have never ceded their sovereign rights to this land. There are no treaties. We continue to believe in a manufactured reality and the best 
this government could do is change one word in the national anthem. How pathetic. So I encourage you, irrespective of where you live in this continent, irrespective if you live on the island surrounding this continent, I encourage you to mark the 20th of January as National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day and pay your respects to those men, women and children who paid the ultimate price, the ultimate price for resisting colonisation. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week. If you are living in Melbourne and you're listening to this on the 20th of January, don't forget the Tanaminawe and Morbohina commemoration will be starting at 12 o'clock today. The first day of the commemoration will be broadcast live on Community Radio 3CR. That's at 3cr.org.au. If you're outside of Melbourne, if you're inside of Melbourne, or you can go to 855 on your AM dial. My name's Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. You can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, or Toscano for the Public. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Twitter stream, which I've forgotten, which I haven't used for a while, but I think it's an overrated thing, Twitter. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can go Instagram. Pipsy underscore AU and the list, Pipsy AUS, AUS, I think, and the list goes on and on and on. And you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Ultimately, I'd just like to remind you, you know, I sound like a bloody minister, but just like to remind you that ultimately change comes from people taking action. But before you take action, you need to have ideas and you need to be able to spread those ideas and drop the acid on the manufactured bubble on the manufactured reality bubble that seems to be part and parcel of everyday life in this country that's what the anarchist world this week is about but without your assistance without your support without your help nothing will ever change you want change you need to Get out of that chair. You need to become involved. Whether you're involved with activities that we organise or not is irrelevant. What is relevant is that you get up and you make 2021, COVID-19 or no COVID-19, your year of action. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3 cr .org.au. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station across the nation. If you live overseas, don't forget, you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au or you can listen live on 3cr.org.au, 10am to 11am Wednesday Eastern Australian Time. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week. Listen in next week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. See you, well, oh, maybe, maybe next week. All the best. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events.
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.